You're listening to a Mornings with Kelly and Steve podcast. Be sure to check us out every weekday morning from 6 to 9 on Moody Radio. This biblical worldview question this week, um, an important one, because I think in our culture, we really, really see this uh, very prevalent today. And the question then is about entitlement and Mm -hmm. what do we deserve? We use that word deserve, and I try to get people to throw it out of their language. But how do we overcome this battle with entitlement in our life? Because we all have it to some degree Mm -hmm. for some reason or area of our life. So how do we begin to even deal with this? Well, you know, uh, uh, the millennials that, you know, get set up such a beating and, and for good reason, to be honest with you, this, for the millennials, this entitlement that I don't have to work. I don't really have to stay with a job. If I don't like a job, I'm going to quit. And, and this whole idea that the world centers around me, and that's a humanist worldview, you know, and it certainly represents our culture uh, with the idea that humans are the center of all things. And the belief then with entitlement with this generation we have now is that I deserve whatever it is that I want. And it's so selfish. It's so self-centric. And it says, look, um, I am owed it. You, I deserve. I, I deserve it. I deserve more. I deserve it all. And people should take care of me and cater to me. And I'm entitled to more than I'm getting. And I have the right to everything that everybody else has. And it's not uh, even being capable of of being compassionate and celebrating what other people have, or 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 being that person that will be around people and encourage them and help them on their way. And I'm telling you, um, it is a, it is a scary thing. And, and I think because of that, um, people are not dealing with reality. And let me just say as a result of this, um, the highest ever recorded cases of depression and anxiety today in this country, uh, the, the use of pills in young people and older people to deal with anxiety, with suicides being up 300%. This entitlement, we were not designed to be entitled because of who we are and whose world this is that we're living in. And Scripture screams this. I mean, 2 Timothy 3, 1 and 2, but realize this, that in the last days, difficult times will come, for men will be lovers of self. There it is. Lovers of money, boastful, arrogant, uh, revilers, disobedient to parents, ungrateful and unholy. And that is, in essence, what we're dealing with. And that's why I think parenting... It is so hard today. Philippians 2, 3 and 4, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself, not looking to your own interest, uh, each of you to the interest of the others. So again, we clearly see in Scripture that we are to be other-focused. In 1 Corinthians 10, 24, we should stop looking out for our own interests instead of focus on people living and breathing around us. 
what a great way to say it. This this ability that God has given us to be very sensitive to others, but yet today we're violating really what we were made for. It's a violation of, of how we were created to be so self-centric. And it, it's, it's killing literally young people. Mm-hmm. You know, I wish that when, when, when we place our faith in Christ, I wish as we become yeah. Christians that we didn't sin anymore and that we didn't wrestle with things like entitlement, but that's just not the case. And you've said that, you know, even as Christians, we can adopt a sense of entitlement by how we approach our relationship with Christ. And that kind of yeah. surprised me. What do you mean by that exactly? Yeah, and this is where it gets, it gets complicated because God made in its image, you know, we're, we're made in this image with the ability to, to make choices and uh, uh, the ability to trust our lives uh, with Christ, in Christ, and essentially to be his hands and feet. And uh, uh, what we need to remember here is being faithful to God, going to church, um, you know, uh, being kind to other people, all of all of these things that we're trying to do as Christians. And, and again, I think we have to realize that, that uh, sometimes in, in Christianity we have this idea that, that if I'm doing what God wants me to do, then I'll have a joyous life without pain and without suffering. And uh, the truth of the matter is, he is pleased the way we are, are living, but uh, that does not give us the right to expect good health prosperity or anything else. God, God did not design a prosperity gospel. If you are obedient to me and love me and do the right things and you're going to prosper, that is not in, in Scripture. And I think unless we get a handle on our attitude of entitlement, thinking that God owes us something, it'll destroy our relationship with God. Because we'll never, he will never be able to give us enough because we're so greedy. And it will destroy relationships with family. There'll be there'll be jealousy. There'll be greed. There'll be all of this stuff that we struggle with with families. Those of you that are going through that, you, you know that's true. And of course, then our witness with others. I think, and I will say it again and again and again, that when we suffer, that is, I think, without a doubt, one of the greatest evangelical tools that we have. When a Christian is suffering with a disease or ailment or whatever it is, and they have an attitude of of saying, you know what, God allowed this, and I'm going to bring him glory through it, and it's not easy, and it's hurt, hurtful, and I'm scared, but I know God's with me in this. This kind of attitude that we can have when we do suffer and we go through stuff uh, brings great glory to God instead of shaking our fist at him and saying, I deserve better. And that doesn't, you know, sit real well with God. And again, you know, we see this in, in Job, you know, that, that wonderful poetry that's written in, in, the, in that book, where, where Job was questioning to some degree God's sovereignty. You know, uh, essentially what he's saying is, you know, were you aware of this and this and this and, and why? Why did you do this? And why did you do that? Again, not sinning against God, but yet that entitlement, why did you allow this to happen? And, and you know, Job, 
had a heart for God, prayed for his children, and and but the the attitude of entitlement. You know, we are finite beings. Let's face it; we know very little when it comes right down to it. Compared to God, we know next to nothing. But that's where that's where our faith comes in. God is sovereign over all things, and when we forget that and we take on the burdens in life ourselves we find ourselves in trouble. And this is what God is trying to teach us through this book of Job. Uh, when he had about had it with Job and, you know, from doubting him. And, he, and, and the Lord said in Job 38, then the Lord spoke to Job out of the storm. And he said, who is this that obscures my plans with words without knowledge? Brace yourself like a man and I will question you and you will answer me. And this is what, what God says to him. Where were you when I laid the earth's foundation? Tell me if you understand. And who marked off its dimension? Surely you know. And who stretched a measuring line across it? And what were the footings set? Or who laid the cornerstone while the morning stars sang together and all the angels shouted for joy? You can imagine what Job was feeling at this point when God comes down on, on him. And he said, where were you, Job? Don't ever forget who you are, Job. You're created being, you know, I made you. And stop assuming that you are God. Uh, and then in Job 20, 20, uh, 42, 1 through 6, and then Job replied to the Lord after God had, I mean, this goes on and on and on. Uh, God questioning Job, were you there? Were you there? Do you understand? Do you understand how I made this animal? Do you understand how I created the oceans? Do you understand? And then finally, Job uh, replied to the Lord, I know that you can do all things. No purpose of yours can be thwarted. You ask me, who is this that obscures my plans without knowledge? Surely I spoke of these things I don't understand. Too wonderful for me to know. And you said, listen now, and I will speak, and I will question you, and you will answer me. My ears had heard of you, but now my eyes have seen you. Therefore, I despise myself and repent in ashes. And, and this, I think, is the thing. God wants to use us and wants to walk with us. Uh, but we, we have to remain humble at heart to think that we are so finite. We know so little, but we can know that our God is sovereign. This is the thing. God is the giver of all good things. And he gives us not because we deserve it, not because we're smart enough even to understand it, but because he loves and cares for us. And he calls himself our defender, you know, our refuge, and we can go to him. Um, you know, he gives us the beautiful creation around us. He gives us joy. He gives us mercy and peace and hope. You know, he forgives and forgets our sins, which comes with the promise of eternal life. He gives us so much every single day, and none of these blessings comes to us because he feels an obligation to us. He gives it to us because he loves us and he wants to form us into his image so that we might be his hands and feet, you know. And, but here he wants to remind us, uh, maybe uh, harshly because we need it, that, that when he says in Hosea, 
11, 9. I am God, not man, the Holy One among you, you know. And and in Job 41, 11, God speaks uh, to Job, uh, who has first given to me that I should repay him? Whatever is under the whole heaven is mine. Essentially, God is saying every square inch, every nano inch uh, is, is mine. Everything is mine. So who are you to tell me how to run this universe, essentially? And then in Psalm 103, just as the father has compassion for his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he himself knows our frame. He is mindful that we are but dust. And I think there's something a bit terrifying to think of the awesome power, the sovereignty of God. When we really think about it, it's kind of chilling in a way to think how big and powerful God is. If you've ever been caught in a big storm, it'll give you an idea. But but in the same breath, he is compassion. He has compassion for us. And he wants to call us in and to love us and, and to comfort us. And, and we dare not step beyond our beings, I think, is what he is saying here. Don't just keep me as God. I've got this handled. And uh, frankly, I don't need your advice. I need your praise, and I need, and I need the relationship with you. Uh, they're, they're not co-leaders uh, up there. We are not part of the Trinity. And sometimes it's good to, to be reminded of that, especially me. Well, I think we all have to be reminded of that. And one of those things that we have to do is practice some gratitude. Maybe that's one of the ways that Mm -hmm. we can do this. But how do we really stop ourselves from gaining this attitude of entitlement in our life? What's the best remedy against that? Yeah, I think think there are a few. And as I read through this and what other people have to say of entitlement, Entitlement. It comes down to the self-control that you were talking about earlier, Steve. This idea of choosing in the midst of suffering, choosing to give thanks to God and the good times and the bad and begin to see God working in all situations to make you into the person that he created you to be. Being sick humbles us, but it also improves our hearing to listen to God, and to reach out to God. And I think if we change, it's a paradigm shift for us, but instead of demanding answers, as Job was, uh, to give thanks, God, I do not understand any of this. I'm in pain. I'm scared. This and that. I'm telling you, I don't understand it. But for this, I give you thanks because I know you do. This kind of an attitude. And, and, the thing is, God is simply allowing us to go through this to bring him glory. And, and you know, these battles are that, that are raging out in areas that we know nothing about. We just have to trust God, that he knows what he's doing. And he calls us to put away our anger and choose, not because we feel like, just choose to be grateful for all things. And don't rely on past experiences or your feelings you know, it's, it's live for God's glory today. And so often we're, we hang on to stuff that happened to us, you know, resentful of God because of this and that and the other. 
realizing that most things that happen to us come as bad choices that we make. And God is saying, leave that behind. Come on, walk with me today. And and we see this when, when Christ says in Philippians 4, listen, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your request known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, would guard your hearts and your minds in Jesus Christ. This is a huge promise God gives us. We, we should not, we're not created to be entitled to be this one that is demanding to know everything. And I dare you to, to make me sick like this or tell, wow, this happened to so-and-so. Instead of humbling, I, Lord, I understand that you know all things. I know nothing, you know. And this is why in the midst of wherever we are, we have to make choices to choose to love and encourage others. Choose it. Choose to call somebody who's hurting. Call somebody who's sick and encourage them. And to pray and forgive those who sin against us without holding a grudge. And that's huge. And, of course, we look to Christ who died for us. He suffered, paid the penalty for our sin, and he doesn't hold a grudge for us. He did that so that we might have fellowship with him. And I think that's another another huge door to open is about this whole forgiveness thing. But for us to pray and release people from our lives that we're trying to hold hostage, but it's killing us. It's killing our relationship with other people. It's killing our relationship with God instead of releasing that so that we can accept the love of God and make good choices. And I think that's first Thessalonians. It's, it's a plea that Paul writes here. And we urge you brothers uh, admonish the, the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with them all. See that no one repays anyone evil for evil, but always seek to do good to one another and to everyone. Rejoice always. Oh, pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God for you. Do not quench the spirit. And you know, whoa, this is so good. Again, as we're talking about earlier, choose to do the right thing. Leave your feelings behind. Leave the pain and suffering behind and choose, simply choose. And then, you know, as Christ says, be anxious for nothing, give everything to me. And then the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will be yours. And God just marks it out for us over and over again. And I think, too, being prayerful, and I'm not talking about a time for prayer, yes, a time for study, yes, in the scriptures every day to keep us fresh, but just a sense of God throughout the day to thank God, to listen to him to go and speak to somebody, to listen to him to say a kind word to something. To, to somebody, you know, all good things come from God. And we need to remember this, that God is the giver of jobs and family and friends and life's simple joys and pleasure, you know, and we have to look for the little things in life. 
instead of the big payouts from business or whatever, the little things in life. And, you know, I just think there's so much for us to do for one another, a simple nod, a simple smile, a hug, you know, whatever it is. And even even the sunrise and sunset, I'm telling you, you you look at those and I, I think it's just God showing off, you know, hey, good morning, everybody. And boom, this is the day I planned for you. And then the setting of the sun. And he is so faithful and we need to be faithful from morning to night, praising God, thanking him, especially for the things that we don't know, because we know he does. And that's kind of the message of entitlement. You know, who are we to demand from God? Yeah, He's, you know, he's called us to, to, to love him, to walk with him, and to trust him. And, you know, if you've ever had a child in that little tiny hand in you, and they're, they're, they're hanging on to you, and you're hanging on to them to get them across the street, you know, without getting run over. And, and that's what God is doing with us, you know, it, it, it life is hard it's so hard we're battling with the with the entitlement people in the in the culture every day we do and god is saying i've got this trust me i've got it the question is are you going to walk with me are you going to start judging people and holding them accountable for things they don't know and and i think it's hard it's it's not it's not easy it's anything but easy but just to reflect the love of god the peace of God and forgiving people. That's huge. And it's not easy. But once you do, you're free. You're free to love well, including God. And I think that pleases him a great deal. Well, a big part of that, you know, when you say that uh, we need to have a presence of mind, I there's a book that I tell people all about. I sing the praises of this. It's called Practicing the Presence of God. It's about mm-hmm. a... a um, French monk from the 17th century, and his name is Brother Lawrence. And it's a very short uh-huh. book. It's easy to find, super duper excellent book about walking every single day and being mindful. You know, we're not, mm-hmm. we're not being pious. We're not anything else. It's just an awareness of God's presence in our life, and it brings all of that to us. And when we recognize there's something greater than us, well, it's very difficult to feel entitled and it's very easy to feel that joy, and it's very easy to be at peace, and it's easy to forgive, all of those things. And it comes from, seriously, uh, it, it takes practice. That's not just the practice in terms of, here's a, a formula, but practice. Do it every day. Yeah. You'll, you'll never get it fully right, but every day is a little bit better. This is a great question. Yeah. I want to encourage everybody to go to Anchors Away. You're going to go over there, simple to do, anchorsway.org, but you're going to get in there. You're going to find great information. There's information about um, the master classes. There's information there that you can take online. You can find the curriculum, and you can get Bible studies there. All of this, you can find this conversation there as well. So I want to encourage you, anchorsway.org. Yeah, Nancy, thank you for this question today. We'll catch up with you again next week for our question, our biblical worldview question of the week. You're listening to Mornings with Kelly and Steve on Moody Radio, from the word to life.